All right, we are back once again. It's the Across the Tracks podcast, live and in living color. And I am Wayne. And I'm Steve. And how are you this week, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing, brother? Hey, I am doing well. Uh, getting ready to hit the road, my last business trip of the year, and uh, headed down to Arizona for a few days. So always good to go down to some warmth and sunshine after. Uh, <laughs> it's actually been pretty warm here for the last couple of days. So, But snow is on the way. It's supposed to be start snowing tomorrow. So I'm getting out of here just in time and uh, go enjoy some of that Arizona sunshine for a few days. So it's all good. Yeah, we're supposed to get some cold weather this week as well. You know, today was uh, a nice day. I uh, mulched up a bunch of the leaves in the backyard and uh, took my Corvette out today, made sure that it was running pretty pretty good and stepped on it a little bit, got a little excited about driving fast, um, went ahead and uh, got it back and wiped her down, uh, covered her up, put her on a trickle charge because I know the weather's going to go bad and we're going to have salt and stuff on the roads and it's going to be sitting for a while. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good day. Good day today. Very good. Very good. Yeah. 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 So have on tap for this week's broadcast. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about some current events. Uh, we're going to, we're going to mention something that happened in our home state and we want to talk about an anniversary that's, uh, come up and we want to discuss um uh veterans day and uh, you know the history of it and uh how it works and what's what's been going on with it and you know show our support to uh the troops and um and move from there sounds good sounds good and I'll let you kick it off then um, with the uh, events that's been happening in our home state. So I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, thank you very much, brother. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, in uh, Tuesday was election day throughout most of the country. In Indianapolis, it was just uh, we just kind of voted for the mayor. Um, the the mayor, his name is Joe Hawk, said he uh, he won by uh, fifty percentage points. In Kentucky, there was a governor's race, and the new governor of Kentucky, as of now, is Andy Brashear. Hey, hey, hey. And, uh, yeah, the last time a Democrat was the governor of Kentucky was his father. Uh, And for that reason, the, the outgoing or the incumbent, which was Bevan, and he was not liked very much by the folks of Kentucky. He hated teachers. He hated health care. There was nothing that this guy tried to protect. So the citizens of Kentucky finally, after four years of, of Matt Bevins, made a choice to remove him as the governor of Kentucky. Now, I think pretty much it was, you know, it was kind of kind of party line voting. However, there was a bunch of uh, people that decided that it's time for him to go. And it was a good choice that uh, he's out of there. And hopefully um, they get some civil uh, leadership in the state, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and maybe Andy Brashear will be the right person for this time. 
Yeah, I hope so. And again, historic victory. Uh, again, his dad was governor um, uh, prior and um, good, good choice. The people of Kentucky did the right thing this time. So glad to see that. Uh, Bevin, he was he was the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That was his boy. He was a clone. And uh, again, just wanted everything out in the state. Um, and the teachers really came out. And, uh, you know, galvanized their votes and uh, made sure that, like, this dude is going out the door. So I am I am really happy that the folks of Kentucky uh, did the right thing and uh, historic vote uh, in that governor's race. And, and since we're talking Kentucky politics, whatnot, I think we need to implore folks, uh, the citizens of Kentucky, to show up again next year when it's time to vote for your Senate races because we need to get Moscow Mitch out of there. He's the <laughs> next one. He's the next one that's got to go. And so I um, I think her name, I can't remember her name, Amy, um, what, is, what is her last name? She is running. Amy McBride. Amy McBride. She is running uh, for that seat um, against McConnell. And uh, folks need to come out. And if she has a message that appeals to you, and she stands for what you think you stand for and you want to see things right in the state of Kentucky, then come out and vote for Amy McBride. And uh, I'm hoping that comes out positive as well, because we need to get rid of Mitch McConnell. man. Yeah, yeah. We just can't. We can't. <laughs> I'm not part of Kentucky anymore. <laughs> but yes, the, the, our, our folks back home cannot be satisfied with getting rid of Bevins. You have to yep. continue to get people out. And vote in the next election. 2020 is so important also because it's a census year. Yep. And the party in power at the national level gets to control those votes. And we know that the the party in power kind of gerrymanders uh, voting districts. Uh, as a matter of fact, in, in, in Virginia on Tuesday... The courts in Virginia earlier this year declared that a couple of voting districts in Virginia had been gerrymandered so much that the elections uh, would benefit uh, the Republican Party more than it needed to. So they changed the districts around and made them more fair. And by doing so, and also the fact that the governorship in uh, Virginia is controlled by a Democrat, the lieutenant governor is a Democrat. Now, the entire legislature is controlled by the Democrats. Now, that's new. The first time in maybe 30 years that the Democrats control um, Virginia. You know, hopefully they'll do the right thing and do what's best for the citizens of Virginia, just like uh, Andy Brashear should do the best for the citizens of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Because if you don't do what's good for the uh, citizens, then your behind is going to be voted out as well. That's right. And I, and I think that's what you're going to see in 2020. I think you're going to see a referendum on all the foolishness that's been going on here the past couple of years. And I think folks are going to come out. And the good thing is you've got a lot of young people who are going to be voting this time. And their views are um, 
they're not beholden to a lot of this old thinking, um, you know, that that's been so prevalent in, uh, in in voting across the country. I think young people are going to energize the 2020 election across all platforms, whether it's local, state, federal, whatever. They're going to energize that 2020 election. So I'm hoping for some good things next year. And again, we want to throw a, a shout out to our comrades, our fellow citizens in Kentucky. Please go out and vote next year and ex- escort Moscow Mitch out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yertle the turtle must yeah. go. <laughs> yes, yeah, he must go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We have one other thing that dealing with politics I wanted to uh, bring up, and that is uh, this past week, uh, the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue went down to another state that the Johnson family's from Louisiana, that my dad's from Louisiana. And while he was there, he was, of course, being... Uh, loved upon by all the citizens at his campaign rally. And the senator from Louisiana, by the name of John Kennedy, decided that he's going to uh, put a dig in on the Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, Nancy Pelosi. And he came out with a statement that said this, and I quote, it must suck to be so dumb. Talking wow. about the Speaker of the House. Wow. And you know, I kind of watched, you know, John Kennedy from Louisiana. And, you know, he tries to he tries to be nonpartisan. But a statement like that gives you everything that you need to know about him is that he is partisan. Uh, he will do what he can to make the occupant happy. You know, and so that's all the occupant is concerned about. You know, somebody stroking his ego. Yep. So, uh, uh, what do you think about yeah. that when you yeah. when you have yeah. lawmakers that are that are so disrespectful to the position of Speaker of the House or to any other uh, congressman or senator? Well, again, it, it, as, as my wife and I talk about, it baffles me, man, that a lot of these folks, a lot of them are lawyers. They're highly educated. And the fact that you're willing to put your integrity aside and support a guy that you know in your heart of hearts is corrupt as the day is long. And John Kennedy, I've, I, I watch him on occasion. Yeah, some sometimes he talks out of the side of his neck. But I think what he did the other day, he only did that. Because the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the current occupant, was there. I don't think he would did that in another setting. But again, it's these guys and, and some women, too, that are willing to just lay down any shred of integrity that they have, like you said, to stroke this guy's ego. And I'm like, for what? What does this guy have on you that you are willing to do that day in and day out? Lie for this guy. You know, run defense for this guy, you know, look the other way when, in fact, uh, the previous eight years, you didn't look the other way. You were hammering the previous occupant, uh, President Obama. You were hammering this guy all the time 
over minuscule things that now you've got big old issues right in your face and you can't seem to say, you know what, that's wrong. We need to call it as it is. And um, he he is just like all these other folks. They for some reason, they feel they have to go out of their way to say something good or do something that will prevent the current occupant from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to turning on them. And to me, it's like, why are you even in the position of leadership if you want to call yourself a leader? That, that's the irritant. That's the rub for me. That's the rub for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, here, here's here's an interesting side note, Wayne. If we look at activity between criminal activity between the current occupant and the past occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and let's let's go back and look at some of these guys. And I've you know done a little research on this. And if you look at the executive branch criminal activities by administration, okay. And I've, I've come across this, and I don't know why I found Well, I, I found it in part of the New York Times, right? And if we just look at, let's go back to Nixon. Of course, you know, Nixon was the only president to resign. Uh, Nixon was in office for five, little, almost six years. Okay, in his, in his time in office, there were 76 people that were indicted, criminal indictment. 55 were convicted. And 15 cent spent time in prison. Okay. The next president, Jerry Ford, he was in office for almost two and a half years. You know, there was one indictment, one person was convicted, one person went to jail. Jimmy Carter, uh, in office for four years, one indictment, no criminal convictions or prison sentences. Ronald Reagan, or as Gil Scott Heron called him, Skippy. <laughs> Eight years at office, 26 indictments, 16 criminal convictions, eight people sentenced for prison. Papa Bush, four years, one indictment, one conviction, one person goes to jail. Okay. Uh, Bill Clinton, eight years, two indictments, criminal convictions was one, one person sentenced. To prison. I'm, you know where I'm, I'm going with this. Okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the trail. I'm following. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> baby, baby Bush, George W. Eight years, sixteen indictments, two, con- one conviction, one person sent to prison. The previous occupant, Barack Obama, eight years, zero indictments, zero convictions, no one sent to prison. Now, Trump, he's been in office for three years. 88 or 89 <laughs> indictments. Wow. 24 conventions. And so far, two people, actually three people, has been sentenced to prison. Now, John Kennedy, you know, he wants to complain and, 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 and talk about, you know, folks. And then he's going to step behind somebody, as you mentioned, that is got all these criminals around him and then he wants to talk about the previous president and a lot of people want to talk about the previous president you know president obama as being such a bad person well hell he had no criminal conviction there was a there wasn't a whole bunch of corruption going on within his administration right you know uh 
I think they nicknamed him No Drama Obama. Right. <laughs> you know, it, right. it was a, it was a boring administration. Right. Right. Because he did what was best for the country. Right. And, and, and a lot of it had to do with I, I think your, your, your parents probably told you this. And I'm sure you know, I know my parents told me this is like you're known by the company you keep. Yep. And uh, look at the people that President Obama had around him. These people, one, they knew how government functioned. They weren't known for shady dealing in their sphere of influence, wherever they came from. They weren't known for shady dealing. The current administration, all he has around him, and I tell my wife, a lot of these guys, they're thugs, man. <laughs> they operate like Truly like the Godfather. They they operate like that. Shady dealings. You know, what you going to do for me if I did? I mean, it's ridiculous, man. It is ridiculous. So you're known by the company you keep. And the company that the current occupant has around him, they're people just like him. They want to disparage people. They want to lie for each other. Um, they want to do all these, you know, corrupt deals and hoping that they never come to light. But as they say, the day of reckoning is coming. The day of reckoning is coming. And so, you know, getting back to Senator Kennedy, again, I, I watch him on some of the talk shows um, that, uh, you know, CNN, MSNBC, et cetera. I watch a lot of the talk shows and I watch him. Yeah, he, he talks out, you know, side of his neck occasionally. But what he did the other day, yes, it was extremely disrespectful to the third person who's in line to the presidency. You know, if, if things go south, she is third in line to the presidency. And, you know, you, you, you disrespected this woman. You, you disparaged her. But he only did that because the current occupant was there. I don't think he would have did it if he wasn't trying to curry favor uh, with the current occupant. So, yeah, it, it's sad. It, it's sad what we're seeing every day, you know, uh, from this administration and the people that are associated with it. It's shameful. It truly is. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Then, then we we beat that horse. You ridden. Let's let's put it up wet. <laughs> <laughs> put it back in the bar. Put it back. In the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What's what's next on our agenda, man? What are we gonna well, talk about next? Well, uh, this week uh, there was a historic event. Uh, Thirty years ago, a uh, historic event occurred. Uh, this is the anniversary of that event. Thirty years ago, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. All right. Yeah. And uh, 1989. And uh, I remember that uh, I was overseas at the time when it happened. I was uh, serving in Japan when it happened. And uh, it, people were stunned. They, they could not believe that the Berlin Wall was actually coming down because the Cold War had been going on for so long. And, um, you know, East Berlin, uh, satellite puppet. Uh, state of the Soviet Union, um, you know, probably people never thought that there would never be a united Germany. But I think as much as people, you know, I, I was not a huge Ronald Reagan fan, but I think Ronald Reagan was right, encouraging uh, at the time the president of the Soviet Union was Mr. Gorbachev, you know, hey, well, t tear the wall down. You know, yeah. what, what's the issue with having a united Germany? You know, people... You know, people want to be free. They, you're, you're stopping people from seeing their family members. You've got a physical barrier separating 
people from their families and whatnot. And uh, communism was on its last legs during that time. The Cold War was was starting to thaw. And uh, this was historic, historic event. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday because, again, I, I was overseas. And when you're overseas and things like this happen, um, you get a different different perspective on it, whether, you know, you're in the States and it occurs. But being overseas, when something like that happens, uh, it's a it's a whole different perspective that you get on it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the thing that goes along with that, Wayne, is the fact that the Soviet Union was having a lot of problems and they still do today. But I think I, I, I'll give Ronald Reagan credit by psyching out Gorbachev <laughs> because, you know, we would come up with things, you know, he said that we're going to do Star Wars. You know, we're not talking about Luke Skywalker type <laughs> Star Wars, but he said, hey, we're going to have these things that can shoot down, you know, Soviet missiles. And then the Soviet would say, well, we have to counter that. And so by faking them out, you know, they basically um, built themselves into um, going broke. Because they had to counter what we countered, and that's what the Cold War was all about. Right. We would we would come up with something, and the Soviets would respond. The Soviets would do something, and we would respond. Right, right. So there was no love between the United States and the Soviet Union. You know, after World War II, um, when the Russians, you know, took Eastern Europe and they controlled Poland, they controlled. Czechoslovakia, they controlled all of that Eastern Europe. They wanted to make sure that they were did not want to be invaded again. Of course, they had, they had been invaded, invaded several times, and they just wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen again. However, by doing what they did, it caused us to, you know, uh, to protect ourselves. And that's why, you know, we joined NATO in 1949, yeah. in which we had never had done that before. So it was to you know, create this organization that would counter the Soviet Union. You know, technically we were better than they were. We had the atomic bomb and so on, but Russia had the most tanks in the world. You know, they had soldiers that, the more soldiers than anybody else. You know, at the end of World War II, we were concerned about getting our GIs home, and the Russians weren't concerned about getting their GIs home. They still had a large army, but we could counter. And so, you know, when, 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 Gorbachev uh, saw that things weren't going so well. They started loosening up their restrictions. And then Poland, you know, they had that solidarity movement that that yep. took place. Yep. And then they were able to break away. And then all those other communist states, uh, Soviet satellite states, they began to declare their independence. And they, one by one, gained their independence. And so when it came to uh, Germany, uh, 1989, it was the uh, person that was in charge of um, East Berlin basically said that, hey, we're just going to let the people of East Berlin flow. Let them go where they want to go. And that includes going to uh, West Berlin. Mm -hmm. And so by doing so, people were thinking like, what did, did you really say that you're going to let people go from East Berlin to West Berlin and they're not going to get shot? Yeah. And then that night, you know, they started climbing up on the wall and yeah. jumping up on the wall. And, you know, the East Germans, they didn't know what to do because these people are on top of the wall. Right. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> hey, somebody's on top of the wall before it's like, shoot them. Well, 
We can't yep. shoot him because he says, okay. So yep. if he jumps into yep. West Berlin, they jump into West Berlin. Yep. You know, so yeah, the 30th anniversary of that just, just happened this week. And so um, I had, I used to have a piece of the Berlin Wall. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because I had had a uh, foreign exchange student from East Germany that brought me a piece of the wall. And for some reason, I have no idea what I did with it. The wow. wall, just, it was just a little piece, probably about the size of a belt buckle. Oh, wow. You're yeah. not that big. And it had paint on it, you know, where they had chipped it away from the wall. And right, it was a right. souvenir. And usually I keep that stuff. And for some reason, I lost it. I have no idea where it's at. And so I had a, I also had a, a professor at uh, IUPUI, which is Indiana University and Purdue University in Indianapolis, who was from East Germany. And he attempted to, well, he did escape. He and three other uh, friends jumped the wall and tried to make it into West Berlin. Three of his, the other three were shot and killed, and he happened to survive. And, uh, you know, he, you know, told us about this story. I was, I was actually doing a, uh, a paper on, um, Chinese communism and the, the army and so on. And he was a professor and he told the story about how he escaped and was shot at and his three, his other three friends, uh, were shot and killed. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of people that's, you know, decided that they wanted to go to freedom and they made it across the wall any way that they could. Some people, you know, tunneled under it. Some people, you know, created, you know, life rafts to go around it and so on until that solid wall was built in 1960, 1961, I think. So that was the anniversary. And um, we just want to remember that the United States and the Soviet Union we are not friends, okay? <laughs> uh, we haven't been friends. We were friends kind of, we were frenemies during World War II, but we haven't been friends since. And for some reason, um, the current occupant, you know, has uh, tried to make those guys our buddies. And yep. they're yep. doing the same old thing they've always done. They interfered in our uh, last presidential election and probably helped him get elected. And so the current occupant says nothing or does nothing to um, make the bad guys look bad. And they're still bad guys. They're still bad people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Putin is Putin. He he is who he is. He is not going to change. And in my opinion, he has played the current occupant like a fiddle. Uh, He has played him. And um, the current occupant is too dumb to figure it out that he's being played every day by this guy and a few other. He's being played by Erdogan. He's being played by Kim. I mean, he's being played by these people who are three or four steps ahead of him. And it's because he is ignorant of history. He does not read anything. And so if, if I was Putin and Kim and Erdogan, hell yeah, I'd take advantage of you, too. <laughs> I'd take advantage of you, too. You know, Wayne, my interest. <laughs> you know, I think he he doesn't think he's he doesn't know he's being played. That's well, it. I, I think he knows he's being played. He's afraid of them because they have 
dirt on him. I I, I think they've got something on him. I I, I would I don't yeah. know about Kim. I don't know about Kim. I I don't know about Erdogan, but I do believe Putin has something on him. Oh, absolutely. I think and so. I think well. he's got something on him, which is why he refuses to say anything bad. Uh, about the president of Russia. Uh, Erdogan and Kim, he views them, they're bullies. You know, right. they push people around, whatever. He yeah. likes that. So that's why he kowtows to them because he wants to be like them. Yeah, but I agree to that. I truly believe Putin has something on him. And I think they've got something on them on, on his business dealings. His money is coming from, they, they've got him, man. And so you're, you're never going to hear him utter a negative word about uh, Putin or, or Russian leadership or the Russian government. I tell you what, man, if if I was the president of the United States and the Soviets um, decided in this next election to try to influence it, to me, since that's dealing with our national security, since it's dealing with our nation as, as a whole, I would throw it out there. I said, look, you try that crap again and there's going to be some consequences and repercussions. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so it may not be just that we're going to do a, a counter cyber attack or something like that. I mean, that's like declaring war upon the United States to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. you know, whether, whether you're sending in your tanks or whether you're sending in your missiles or whether you're sending in electronic uh, surveillance and electronic uh, manipulation of our elections, that's a threat to the United States. And since the Cold War, you know, is is supposed to be dead, hell, I bring it back because that's that's an effect that's that's dealing with our our nation that needs to be stopped. And I'd let him know that, you know, this yeah. stuff has got to end. Yeah, because, I mean, the Cold War was birthed out of the different ideologies between the two governments, the two, you know, these two sovereign entities. The the ideologies of both were so far apart. We were, you know, hey, the the people, the government is for the people, of the people, by the people, etc. Whereas, you know, we could not believe that people were being oppressed and being told what to do, when to do it. What, you know, that's, you know, our ideologies were so far apart. I mean, the Cold War was birthed from that. And here we are, you know, now it seems like people want to turn uh, and look the other way that this entity is in, you know, they're involved. They're, they're being involved in your democracy. They are taking advantage of whatever, be it whether someone didn't patch a network or do this or that. But these folks have influenced your democratic process. And the fact that, again, our favorite senator from Kentucky won't pass the bill to um, enhance those cybersecurity uh, regulations, rules, et cetera, to strengthen that, why he won't pass that bill is is mind boggling to me. Mind boggling. Yeah. 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 He won't even bring, he won't. It's not that he won't pass the bill. He will not bring, bring it the, up to vote. Won't even bring it to the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I to me, all of these people, you're just as guilty if you don't want to put a stop to this prior to the 2020 election. If you don't want to put a stop to it, then you are just as bad as uh, you're a threat to the national security, as is the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. Right. <laughs> so 
that's that that's my take on it. And uh, I, I since we're talking about anniversaries, I, I, I want to and tell me if I'm wrong. But 1979, 40 years ago, the invasion or the occupancy of the uh, American embassy in Tehran, wasn't that anniversary this week or not too long ago? Uh, yeah, I think it's coming up. It's coming uh, up? I don't, I don't know exactly the specific date. I know it was in November. Okay, it's, yeah, of, maybe, of yeah. 79. 1979, yes. And it actually... Because of that, the uh, the students take over the American embassy uh-huh. in Tehran. Because of that is where we got late night uh, news TV. Because yep. yep. I remember Ted Koppel, they had day one of the American hostage uh, situation. It went all the way through. Every night they had a special uh, half hour report on what was going on. Yep. And it was called Nightline. Yeah. They created Nightline as a direct result of those um, Iranian students taking over the uh, embassy in Tehran and holding 52 American hostages mm-hmm. for, I think it was, I think it was uh, 444 days, I think 444 it was. 444 days, yeah. Right, right. Days, yeah, right, right at that overlap of Jimmy Carter going out of office and Ronald Reagan coming in office. Yes, yeah, they held, they held the hostages until... <laughs> President uh, Reagan was sworn in, yeah. and then uh, they released them at that point just to stick it to uh, President Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a couple of couple of friends. I served with a couple of folks, which will segue into our next uh, our next topic. I served with a couple of folks who were involved uh, in that particular uh, event. Uh, one of my friends, uh, he was a, he was a comm specialist like I was in the air force. He actually was assigned to the embassy, uh, in Tehran and, uh, he evacuated before, uh, you know, the students took it over, but he was there at the time and, uh, was able to, uh, to get out of the embassy. Uh, he was involved, you know, in destroying some, some stuff that they had to destroy before it got overrun, but he was there and he, he shared that story with me. We ended up catching up with each other. He had been in the Air Force a few years, um, more than I had, but uh, he, we ended up in Greece together and caught up and uh, he shared like, yeah, I was at the, I was assigned to the embassy in Tehran. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That was, that was one person. And then another young lady I served with, she was a cop or a security forces or something that, that effect. Uh, Jimmy Carter tried to rescue the hostages uh, and that operation went badly and, and several people involved in that operation got killed. And so this one young lady, this other young lady that I served with in the air force, she was a part of the team that actually went out to do the, um, the, um, uh, what's what's the term? Um, Reconnaissance. Went crash site went to the crash site okay. to recover the bodies. To recover the bodies. Oh wow! Yeah, so she was assigned to that detail to that team that went out there to do that. So, so uh, you know, interesting times. Uh, follow the Berlin Wall '89, and then ten years prior, uh, the takeover of the American embassy uh, by Ira- Iranian students. So two big events, and. Uh, you know, a lot of folks who were in the military at the time were involved in, 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 in both those things, which brings us to our next topic. And uh, that is Veterans Day. 
which is tomorrow, the 11th of November. And uh, before we get into it, I'll turn it over to you. But first of all, I want to thank you for your service as a United States Coast Guard member. I want to thank you for your service. And uh, I'll turn it over to you to, to let you reflect a bit on uh, on Veterans Day. What what thanks. are your what are your views, your thoughts, et cetera? Yeah, thanks, Wayne. And I'd like to uh, thank you for your service, being a member of the United States Air Force. You thank know, you, very you, much. you ended up uh, standing there long enough to retire <laughs> from the Air Force, and I stayed in the Coast Guard long enough to get the hell out of there and go to college. <laughs> but the the uh, my four years in the Coast Guard was. Um, Probably the, the the best four years of my life because it literally, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, going from boys to men, yeah. you know, I grew up a lot in that, that four years. You know, I was able to uh, see the world. Um, most of my time was spent down in Texas. However, I spent a year over in Italy and was able to see most of Europe and uh, travel to different places and um, move from 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 city to city without with the exception of the communist bloc countries, because of when I was there, you know, the um, Eastern Bloc was still intact. But, uh, yeah, the the fact that uh, we both served in the military uh, Veterans Day is November the 11th. It was first uh, initiated as a result of uh, Congress passing. Uh, an act or uh, an act that basically said that we're going to recognize Veterans Day as November the 11th. Now, it used to be known as Armistice Day because uh, November the 11th, 1918, was the day that World War One came to an end. Uh, the 11th month, at the 11th hour uh, on November the 11th, was the day that the armistice was signed in which the allies came to an agreement that they would stop fighting. Shortly thereafter, that next spring, uh, they signed the, the Treaty of Versailles, which was the official end of World War One. It was signed in Paris. And believe it or not, it was the beginning of all the other wars that ended up afterwards. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, the war in Vietnam started in 1919, you know, because the French controlled, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into history here. I don't want to go too far, but, but literally the French, the French controlled Indochina, uh, which was given up as part of the, uh, peace agreement in, in Paris of 1919. And of course, Ho Chi Minh was there and, you know, I don't want to go too much into that, but the history, the history teacher in me comes out. However, uh, we're celebrating Veterans Day. That's what we want to want to stick to. Uh, tomorrow, uh, they normally have a Veterans Day parade in Indianapolis, and I've been a part of that for several years. Uh, the weather is going to be really, really nasty tomorrow, so they've canceled the Veterans Day parade. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, the weather is not going to be so great. So, uh, temperature is going to be real cold. It's going to be sleet and rain and snow and all that combination of everything. Uh, that you get in Indianapolis this time of year. Uh, but Veterans Day is uh, a big deal. I know we have plenty of friends of ours that have served in the military. You know, it's amazing that so many people have gone and committed to protecting the nation. There's a lot of people that have uh, not 
serve, but they've served in other capacities. Uh, I know in our family, my family, we are a four generation, where four generations have served in the military. Grandfather, father, myself, and and my son serve, currently serving uh, in the Air Force right now. So, yeah, we want to give um, a lot of uh, respect and pay homage to all those uh, men and women that have uh, dedicated themselves to protect the country and in some incidents uh, gone and uh, given the, the ultimate sacrifice of uh, dying for our nation. Absolutely. And uh, like you, um, you know, I, uh, you know, probably one of the best things I ever did in my life was was join the Air Force. And and like you said, I did 20 years in one day, I did 20 years in one day. So <laughs> I, I owed them that one extra day because of the way my enlistment went. But uh, the the opportunity to serve and experience uh, different cultures, interact with people from around the world. Uh, just a small town kid from from E-Town, never really been anywhere. And so um, the military opened up an entire new world uh, to things that I had only read about in books. You know, seeing things that you read, it, it's, it's weird when you actually see something that you read about in a book and now you're either standing in it or you're walking past it and you're like, wow, there it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was mind boggling uh, to to experience that, but to interact with people from different cultures around the world, uh, as I spent most of my career overseas, uh, it was eye opening. And uh, like you say, it, it took me from a um, a wayward youth uh, to the man that I am now. It, it broadened my horizons, broadened my experiences, and I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to serve. Uh, and I uh, want to shout out to all the veterans uh, in our hometown of E-Town and Hardin County who have served. Uh, we thank you for your service. And those who, again, uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice, uh, we truly thank you for your service as well. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a pleasure to serve. I think, like you said, other people served in other capacities. But there's a bond, as you remember, in your Coast Guard uh, time. There's something about the military. There's there's culture. There's something about the culture that stays with you. At least for me, it, it stayed with me. And uh, there are things I do to this day because of the military. Uh, it, it won't wash out of my blood. <laughs> yeah. There are things I do that just like, it's just, you know what, I, I just do it because it I never, never changes. It's it like never changes, you know, putting the date down. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I always start with the number, yeah. then the month and then the year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I, when I see when I see, you know, when I see nine, one, 19, <laughs> that's like, what the hell is that? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, OK, one September 2019 yeah. or 19. You know, those are things that you just never you never stop because never it's nope. it's it's ingrained into you because in those four years, that was just military time. That's, right. that's just military dating. That's how you right. did it. And it's that part of my life, you know, from uh, 18 until 23 or whatever, you know, that's the way ever, I wrote everything down. And that was, yeah. you, you're in the military every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not that you're going to, oh, I'm going to take the day off. Even when you go on vacation, you're always in the military, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And at any point in time, especially being in the Coast Guard, hell, I could I could be on call 
and I could be out of the city and they could call me up and say, hey, we got to we got to go out and save some people, you know, which is which is kind of interesting in a in another way, Wayne, is that when I decided to join the Coast Guard, if you remember, we were still in high school when the war in Vietnam ended. We were seniors. Yeah. And so my decision to join the Coast Guard was, and I, I may have told you this before, and I, we may have mentioned it on the podcast, is that my parents couldn't afford for me to go to college. You know, I, I didn't have enough money to make it in, in school. You know, it wasn't that I wasn't bright enough. Some people may have thought I wasn't bright enough, but um, we couldn't afford to go to college. I mean, so, you know, in April of 75, the war officially came to an end. You know, we graduated in June. And since I couldn't afford to go to college, my thinking was this, you know, the GI Bill can help me get through college. And so the the thought of getting the benefits of the GI Bill was something that, you know, that that drove me into going into military. Now, why didn't I choose the Army? Well, my dad was in the Army for 23 years and I was born at Fort Knox and I just did couldn't see myself being in the Army. <laughs> you know, my older brother was in the Air Force and, you know, he had some apprehensions about you know, his time in the Air Force. Now, he he got himself in trouble and stuff like that as well. But, you know, I said, nah, I don't want to do the Air Force. Navy, nah, I couldn't do the Navy. But I tell you, I tell you what, I saw a commercial on TV and it was a commercial with the Coast Guard. And the first thing that it said was lifesavers. I'm like, wow, the war just ended. This is an organization that the the number one um, choice, the number one um, purpose was to save lives, not to end lives, but to save lives. And there was a small boat and the guy was riding a small boat and he was just flying down the, you know, the, the beaches and rivers or whatnot. And I went, man, that's pretty cool. I could do that. So I said, well, this is my chance to get the GI Bill. Besides, hell, it's the Coast Guard. Their motto is, we're lifesavers. I can do that. So I went ahead and contacted the recruiter, and the recruiter said, sure. You know, you'd have to take your ABS fab and all those tests and so on, and said, hey, you're you're good to go, you know. And, and the Coast Guard in 1975, there's only 30,000 members worldwide. And so it's one of the smallest services, but I said, "Yeah, hey, let's do it." And I and and went through it and did the physical. You know, I had to fake a my knee was bothering me at the time, so I had to do the old duck walk. And boy, it was painful, but I did it. You know, and um, went ahead and signed up, man, and took sent me to uh, California for boot camp, and. Soon thereafter, I was on board ship for over a year and from a ship to a Loran station, from a Loran station to a small boat station. So, you know, after four years, it's like, hey, it's time to it's time to go. <laughs> and so uh, I enjoyed my time. I met lots of friends, you know, lots of um, uh, people that I still keep in contact with. 
but uh, it was it was something different every day. Whether we went out and saved shrimpers to saving damsels in distress, so it was something different every day. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! Yeah, that was. Um you know, my intent, and we're getting close to the top of the hour, so I won't belabor this, but that was I, I, my intent was to go in the Air Force four years, be done, and, and, and come out. But it didn't work out that way because at the at the end of that three year six month mark, they asked you if you know, hey, do you, do you wanna, do you think you might want to reenlist and whatnot? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll sign up for four more years, and four more years turned into to eight, and eight turned into. 12 and 12 turned into 16 and next thing you know it's like hey i'm enjoying life man i'm having a good time and it was good and uh again it it broadened my horizon so much and uh i i I picked the air force because i one i wasn't tough enough to be a marine i knew that Uh, (laughs) me either (laughs) i wasn't that wasn't that wasn't me that wasn't in my dna and uh I worked at Fort Knox for a summer job, so I was around the Army all the time, and I'm like, nah, I don't want to do the Army either. And the Navy, I wasn't a big swimmer, so I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the Navy was out, and I didn't didn't really think about the Coast Guard. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, a lot of people don't. You know, the Coast Guard flies under the radar, so to speak, a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, but my younger brother went in the Air Force. So shout out to him. Uh, Happy Veterans Day to my younger brother, Rico, there. And so he went in the Air Force before I did. And I'm like, wow, man, it's doing pretty good for him. (laughs) You know, so I think I'm going to go down and do the test and whatnot. And and as they say, took the test, took the physical, uh, went up to Louisville, swore in and Found my butt on a plane to San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> Lackland, huh? And down the Lackland Air Force Base. <laughs> and, uh, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, Wayne, I don't mean to stop <laughs> you, but you know, you mentioned swearing in. And part of my swearing in, you know, kind of the same thing. I was going through and I was, you know, you know, basically being sworn in. And I paused for about three seconds. And my mind was thinking, you know, for those three seconds, like, damn, I could die for the country. <laughs> I could be killed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that and I paused. And the guy said, are you all right, uh, Johnson? <laughs> and I went, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I went ahead and finished the ceremony and got sworn in. He shook my hand and put me on the plane to San Francisco. <laughs> but I did think, I did think. Just for a second, and I told the years that I taught, you know, and I still had my uh, a draft card, and I would show wow. that to my show that to my students, and I would tell them, I said, doing going through the process of being sworn into the military, I did pause, and I reflected on the the fact that you know I I could lose my life, you know, dealing with the the job that I that I did, yeah. you know, because you know. Dealing with ships and boats and lines and stuff like that, and you know, we would bust, we would bust ships that had tons of marijuana and cocaine and all that stuff on it, you know, and people could shoot and kill that, shoot you, you know, and you could die. So I, uh, yeah, I was, I was paused for about three seconds, but went ahead, and it's the best thing that I've done in my lifetime, you know. And, And I, and I think overall, Wayne, I think just about all, all folks should go through some type of 
of um, service. You know, it could be two years, you know, and it gets it gets some of that foolishness out of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. make them it it'll give them some discipline in which they uh, some desperately need because you know we all need uh, some type of of, of uh, discipline and training, and we all want somebody to help us in some way. And I think, you know, some type of uh, mandatory service for some folks is is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, man. And uh, it harkens back to uh, you know what JFK asked folks back in the '60s. You know, ask not what uh, your country can do for you. What can you do for your country? And yeah. uh, maybe something as simple as serving in some capacity. I think serving humbles you to an extent. Uh, it makes you humble uh, to be a servant. And like you, uh, I thought about like, wow, you know, I signed my name to this paper and I raised my hand. I can end up getting killed, you know. But, you know, you, you, I, I, I was looking at the aspect like I got to get my life together, man, because I was wandering. I was drifting and didn't have, any, you know, I didn't have any structure in my life or nothing like that. So truly the best thing I ever did. So. Uh, bringing it back to where we started, uh, we want to say happy Veterans Day to all who have served. We truly appreciate your service to this great nation, and the nation is great. Uh, we want we want to highlight that that uh, yeah. the nation is great, and it's great because uh, people were willing to raise their hand and and serve this great nation at home and abroad. So. Yeah, you, if you think about all the small towns like Elizabethtown that's across the country where people uh, in all the major wars uh, decided to, you know, give up their, their you know, livelihood or leave that small town yep. and to go out and protect and serve, you know, the nations. And E-Town's no exception. It's from 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 Lebanon, Indiana, to Elizabethtown, to Charleston, South Carolina, to Phoenix, Arizona, to some of the big cities like New York and so on. And so one thing that we all have in common that once you serve and you've been in the military, we're all brothers in arms. That's right. You know, and uh, that that's a fraternity that we all belong to and we all respect you know, uh, members of that fraternity. And we all keep it. We all have a common bond that some people will never, ever, ever have. And that's the fact that we we served under the uh, flags of the United States and we were willing to give the uh, ultimate sacrifice if we had to uh, to protect our our people, our our cities, our countries, our state and our family members back home. Absolutely. Absolutely. I salute you, sir, for those comments. <laughs> Absolutely. That's cool, man. That's yep, cool. Yep. Yep. So uh, I think that wraps up this episode of uh, Across the Tracks for uh, uh, this uh, Sunday. And uh, we will uh, be back next week with some more topics of interest. And uh, again, tune in. Check us out. Uh, check us out on the uh, on the web. Check out our Facebook page as well. We're always glad to hear from you. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think of the of the broadcast. So until we meet again, I'm Wayne. And I'm Steve. And we're across the tracks. Peace. Peace.